0: We'll go ahead and get cranking if, if you guys are cool with that. We'll, when Lee walks in, Lee Ridings, just give him the stink eye, all right? <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. Is anybody in here this morning that was not here yesterday? Uh, for Okay, awesome. It's good to have you guys, uh, first and foremost. Uh, we This morning is actually part two of uh, the session that we started um, yesterday, the second session. Is part one, and so you guys will be able to capture all that, you know, because all the content is recorded. So, um, so this morning, let me pray. We're going to do a quick review, and then uh, we're going to finish out our seven stages of spiritual growth, and just the process of God's pattern, you know, for spiritual growth. So we'll we'll finish out this morning. Actually, I'll probably. You know, our goal is to go from nine to ten thirty. We'll probably finish a few minutes early, and then if you guys got some questions or comments, or I know we had yesterday, we had a few pastors in the room, and so if you want to ask some pastoral advice as it relates to discipleship. We got some studs in here, and uh, it'd be worth their their opinion, quite honestly. So let's pray, and then uh, we'll get right into it, all right? Father, we love you, thank you for the morning, and uh, Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy. Uh, Lord, it's a, it's a new day. God, your word tells us your your mercies are new every morning, and uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for uh, the, the privilege of knowing you, and we thank you for Christ and, and for the redemption that's in him. And Lord, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You for Your Holy Spirit, God that guides us. Lord, we don't have to wander through life aimlessly, uh, just like we learned uh, last night with Pastor Joe. Uh, We have been uh, called and commissioned and sent. We we are to be about Your business. We are to be about uh, making disciples, uh, reaching the lost with the Gospel, and then discipling them uh, to spiritual maturity. And so, Lord, thank You for this conference and for this church and its leadership. And uh, Lord, help all of us just to get refocused um, on what, what this life is about uh, because we don't have much time. And, and so may our last days be spent uh, faithfully serving you uh, the right way, specifically with the ministry that you've called us to accomplish. Uh, bless the teaching this morning. God, I need you. Uh, Lord, I pray you get me out of the way. Uh, Lord, use your word and your Holy Spirit to teach to teach us today. We need you and we ask it all in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so just real quick by way of review. Hey, guys, come on in. Good morning. Uh, this, this morning, we want to just do a real quick review for those of you that were here yesterday uh, on these seven stages of spiritual growth. And what we said was that God uses the physical things in life to many times teach us about spiritual reality, spiritual truth. Uh, we know that uh, human growth and development follows a certain pattern. Uh, I had the privilege of working in physical therapy for almost 20 years, and part of our education was just kind of understanding human growth and development, uh, and then also, you know, anatomy, movement, all those different things. And so there's kind of a a laid out consistency to human growth and development. And biblically, uh, there's a process that, that God has recorded for us in His Word that demonstrates a similar process of spiritual growth and development, and so there is a process and a pattern of spiritual growth that we can see and it begins with that first stage that we talked about yesterday called babes spiritual birth right spiritual life that happens and that happens at the moment of what salvation right we're born again salvation is a it's a birth it's not just getting religious you know it's not people adopting a denomination it's just it's new life in Christ, according to John chapter 1, John chapter 3. And so we, we, learned, <clears throat> we learned yesterday that, that babes in Christ are the first stage or the first step of spiritual growth. It's spiritual birth. And we also learned that babes in Christ are not mature Christians. <laughs> They're babes. Babes cry a lot not trying to be weird. Babes make a mess in their diaper a lot. And, and spiritually speaking, man, we, we kind of do the same thing. When we first get saved, uh, our life is not – you couldn't look at a babe in Christ's life and say, man, that's, that's a person that's conformed to the image of Christ. There's a process that, that it takes to get us there. And so we know that babes in Christ, they, they need milk. Uh, they also need a mother. And we talked about how, you know, a babe in Christ is helpless. They need someone to nurture them and to love them and to take care of them. And that's really what this conference is about. It's about discipleship. And so when we lead people to Christ, we have to have the responsibility and the burden to see them grow and mature in the Lord. And um, and, and again, I think most of us in this room and the churches that are represented here, we understand that. We understand the Great Commission is not just evangelism. Uh, Brian said it great yesterday, man, it's, it's, it's awesome to evangelize. It's fun to make babies, if you will. Uh, but it takes a tremendous amount of responsibility and resource to raise them to maturity. And that's true in the physical world. And that's especially true in the spiritual world, that, that we are tasked to raise uh, people that we went to Christ to full maturity to be conformed to the image of Christ. And that doesn't happen by accident. And so babes are are the first stage of spiritual growth. We saw that yesterday they're carnal. Uh, You know, they need to add something to their faith. And and the first thing that needs to be added is virtue, right? Babes in Christ need to begin doing what they know to do. And and so we cover that in detail. And, And once they start doing that, they'll grow a little bit into the second stage. And that second stage is called the stage of a little child, and this is where spiritual children begin walking, begin talking, and begin having a relationship with their father. And uh, imagine, you know, this new new baby that you bring home from from the hospital. And man, you're excited, and and you're man, you you and your wife are just like overwhelmed uh, with the gift of life. Uh, but that baby is like completely dependent; and doesn't do anything. Just you know, you wrap them up in the swaddle, and they just kind of sleep and eat and poop and that's about it and maybe cry a little bit and that's that's about it and then they get to where they can actually start getting control of their body Uh, they start pulling themselves up a little bit and and crawling and and maybe even standing and beginning to take those first few steps physically and that's kind of a picture for us of spiritual growth because little children spiritually they're growing but they're still unstable you know they're, they're still not completely mature in the lord Uh, One key marker, and we mentioned this yesterday, one key marker for this second stage of spiritual growth is that a little child has nailed down the fact that they know they're saved. And in other words, they have assurance of their salvation. In other words, and and I'll, man, listen, I've I've been a pastor for about 10 years, blessed beyond measure to be able to do that, Uh, served in ministry at my local church for a long time before that, and and you see things like people that struggle with the issue of really whether they're saved or not. And sometimes that's a short window. You know what I'm saying? Like some people get saved, and man, that issue is settled in their heart and life. But I've seen some people that have struggled with that for months. And I've seen some people struggle with that for years and years and years. And, and the point is, until a, a believer in Christ knows that they are forgiven for Christ's namesake, and they nail down the genuineness of the, their conversion. It doesn't matter what else they know about the Bible or church or Christianity. Until they nail that issue down and get stability in their life, they're still, they're still a babe in Christ. Does that, does that make sense? And, and, so, and so little children have nailed down the genuineness of the, their conversion. And what they need to add, they need to add knowledge to their life. In other words, they need to begin learning more from the Word of God. They need to get grounded in the Word of God so that their mind can be renewed uh, and so that God can set them apart. And so we we talked about all that yesterday. And so we're just trying to catch us up to speed so that we don't hit this level five this morning. And it's kind of abrupt abrupt transition. And and then we saw, okay, babes in Christ, little children. And then we learned that the next stage is that of a child, right? And and that child stage is really represented by a, a spiritual child that, is walking in truth consistently. They're, they're, they're firm, uh, they have a right relationship with God. It doesn't mean that they're strong doctrinally, but it does mean that they're walking in truth and they're truly following God with their life. And, and I said this yesterday, uh, for us in our church, discipleship one, life on life discipleship, is geared to get someone from the, the babe stage, level one or stage one, to the child stage. In other words, personal discipleship is not going to make somebody a pastor. Does that make sense? They're not They're going to be a missionary after discipleship one. Uh, but it will get them from a babe to a little child to where they're walking in truth. And that's really the point of those discipleship lessons. The point is that we teach the Word of God to a, a growing Christian so that they can start walking in the truth of those lessons and the truth of those scriptures. Does that make, make sense? And so and so for us, D1 really is, is geared to get somebody from that babe stage to this child stage and really not beyond it. There's other things that we have after that. And so it's a spiritual child. Man, they're followers of God. They're walking in truth. But the truth is that they're still susceptible to false doctrine. Ephesians chapter 4, we looked at this verse yesterday. Uh, the Bible says that children can be tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine and so spiritual children they're still unstable doctrinally uh, but they're walking in the truth that they that they know and so we have to have things past discipleship one and and i'm not sure what your other what your guys's uh churches have in place uh we have in place what we call ministry tools and training uh what used to be called at my home church discipleship two things like that and that's what's what's to get us beyond this child stage, and we saw the next stage yesterday called the young man stage. And we said a characteristic of young men is that they begin to get strong in God's word. In other words, they're they're doctrinally sound. They have the word of God abiding in them. First John tells us that young men have overcome the wicked one. And it doesn't mean that you get to the point where you never just struggle with sin and you never sin anymore. I wish that were the case, man. Uh, That'll happen at the rapture. And, uh, or when we take our last breath. Uh, and until then, all of us will struggle with sin. What, what God's Word tells us is overcoming the wicked one means that we've overcome the devil and the way that he works. He works in the system of false religion and in false doctrine. And, and we said yesterday that, that the first time we see the devil show up is in Genesis chapter 3. He shows up as a serpent, and the first thing that, that is recorded for us is that he asks Eve, Yea, hath God said? Right? He begins to question God's Word, and, and spiritual young men have the Word of God abiding in them, and they've overcome the wicked one in the area of false doctrine and false religion. Uh, and so this is the goal. We want people that are strong in the Word of God. We want people that are, that are spiritually strong. D1 gets us walking with the, the Lord. D2, ministry tools and training, gets us strengthened in the Lord so that ultimately we can bear fruit for the Lord. Okay, that, that's kind of the progression. And so as, as it, we, we called it spiritual adolescence yesterday, when you get to this stage of spiritual maturity, it's kind of like you're filling out, you know, you, you think you can conquer the world, uh, you think you got it all figured out, and that's really the litmus test that you don't. <laughs> oh, man, I've got this stuff handled. Okay, uh, a young man still needs to be sober-minded, his heart still needs to be tender toward the things of God. Uh, and he's not yet a spiritual father. And, and that's, a, that's a key marker. Young men are strong, but they're still immature. They need to grow. And so that's kind of where we got through yesterday. And so this morning, we'll pick it up right here with the fifth stage of spiritual growth. And that fifth stage is the stage of the father. And, and the difference between a young man and a father is what? What's the difference between a a young man, a strong young man, and a father? What's the difference between those two types of people? Fruit. Fruit. yeah, man. Reproduction, right? Maturity. And so, as we talk about this stage of the father, uh, this is kind of a, a, this is where we, we want to get people to every stage, but man, this is the next thing. This is a big deal. This stage we'll talk about today is a really big deal. So, in the room, if we have people that are being discipled, or if we have people that are discipling other people you need to know that because number one if you're being discipled you need a spiritual father and a spiritual mother and if you're discipling somebody you're you're called to be that spiritual father and that spiritual mother uh, in this person's life and so there's some key characteristics that we got to pay attention to uh, and so the milestone is fathers are reproducing spiritual fruit they're reproducing spiritual fruit you know a young man can be strong he can have a handle on god's word the word of god can abide in him he can overcome the wicked one but if he doesn't do anything with that, it doesn't profit anybody anything. Uh, he's called to reproduce spiritual fruit uh, by the grace of God and the Spirit of God in his life. And so here's a key principle. Spiritual young men know the Word of God because they're, they're doctrinally sound. But, listen, fathers know the God of the Word. And that's, a, that's an important distinction. We, we have to know the Word of God. Okay, We have to know the Word of God. But really, we need to know the Word of God so that we can know the God of the Word. It's about a relationship. It's about a person. And, and so if you look in your notes, uh, you'll see in First John chapter 2, and verse 13, John writes, and he says, I write unto you fathers, because ye have known, what's the next word? Him that's from the beginning. Uh, and, and that's the key characteristic. Uh, do you understand that this title, Father, is one of the titles that God reserves for Himself. I mean, that's a big deal, and 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 so and so uh, because we're identifying with the Father, because we know the Word of God, but really we know the God of the Word. It's it's a it's who He is uh, that elevates us to this next level of spiritual maturity. It's about knowing Him. Uh, the difference is the young man knows the things of the Word of God, but fathers know. The God of the Word of God, right? That's, that's the point. And so, and so intimacy of knowing the Father is what ultimately brings forth fruit. Intimacy of knowing the Father is what ultimately brings forth fruit in our life. Uh, it is our relationship with God. Now take your Bible this morning. If you got one, John chapter 15, and we'll, because I've got the early session, we'll turn a little bit to keep you awake uh, this morning. But in John chapter 15, we have a pretty amazing passage verses 1 to 8, really powerful passage, John 15, verses 1 to 8, you can jot that down on your notes if you want to, whatever, uh, check, this, check this passage out, man, Jesus says in verse 1, I am, the, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman, every branch in me that beareth not uh, fruit he taketh away, every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. And Christ has just given us the, the reality and the secret to fruit bearing. It's not our knowledge, it's not our doctrine, it's not our understanding of of a process of spiritual growth. The the, the key, the the true reality and and possibility of bearing fruit is Him. It's Christ. That's that's the point. Verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, and this last part of verse 5 is worth underlining, for without me you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Spiritual fathers understand that without Christ we can do nothing, right? We, we, we can't bear fruit on our own. It's Christ that does it. It's the Word of God that does it. It's the Spirit of God that does it. Verse 6 says If any man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a, as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and, and, and it shall be done to you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit so shall you be my what? And that's what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about discipleship this week. And so the way that, that the Father is glorified is, is bearing much fruit because we abide in Christ. We know the God of the Word, right? Uh, and, and that's truly what makes us disciples of Christ. And so it's this relationship, it's this intimacy of knowing the Father that brings forth fruit. i, I put it in my notes. Fruit is a result of abiding in the root and the root is christ and and so it it, it boils down to our personal relationship with him and so spiritual fathers they do produce offspring offspring and they're called to lead they're called to lead to raise to to, to father uh, their their spiritual offspring and so if you look at first corinthians chapter four paul understood this principle paul paul modeled this all through his ministry Many of you know that the book of 1 Corinthians is a letter of, of instruction and re, rebuke and correction to, to some really carnal Christians, right? 1 Corinthians, uh, the church at Corinth had a lot of problems. They were carnal. Uh, they, were, they had open rebellion sin that, that wasn't being dealt with. And so when Paul writes to them, the motivation is that of a spiritual father to his children. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 14, he says, I write not these things to shame you. But as my beloved sons, I warn you. Okay, and so Paul is exercising his spiritual fatherhood uh, toward the Corinthians. He says, listen, I love you, and so because I love you, I'm going to warn you because I, I hear some things that are happening among you that, that aren't honoring Christ. Okay, he says, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many what? Fathers. Fathers. For in Christ Jesus, he, and Paul says, I have begotten you through the gospel, wherefore I beseech ye, be ye followers of me. And, and, and so we see Paul exercising his, his authority as a spiritual father, not because he's, he's lording over God's heritage, but, but he, he is spiritually responsible for those Corinthians. And, and so he's, he's warning them and he's telling them, listen, man, I'm, I'm not just some dude that has a podcast or has a YouTube channel. And I, I was there preaching the gospel, and you guys responded to the gospel. And because of that, I'm, I'm your spiritual father. You don't need 10,000 instructors. What you need is a father. And that's what discipleship is all about. We, we have a, we, there's a, a chain of um, Christian bookstores. I, I'm not sure if it's in Georgia or not. We had some in Alabama. Lifeway Christian Christian bookstores. Didn't, I think all of those things kind of like shut down. Yeah. And I really made a, some people at our church mad because they were talking about closing down Lifeway and, uh, oh gosh, you know, you can't get your devotional, motivational book, whatever. Okay, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I am a jerk, but I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk. But, but I said at our church on multiple occasions, you know, we have 10,000 instructors, man. You, you can go and get a book by whoever, whatever. You can go to YouTube and find a million channels of a million different instructors that want to tell you something about Christ. But that will never help you grow to maturity. What you got to have is you got to have a father. You got to have a spiritual father that'll shoot you straight and, and is invested enough in your life because possibly they won you to Christ. And if they're not the one that won you to Christ, they're at least spiritually responsible enough to to love you in the Lord and tell you some things that you need to hear. Is that you okay with that? And, and so Paul is exercising that type of relationship with these Corinthians and and uh, you know. Again, if we go back to the conversation between evangelism and discipleship, man, it's awesome to win people to Christ. But if we're gonna win them, we need to lead them. We need to spiritually help them grow. We need to take responsibility and ownership for them. Paul says, listen, I have begotten you through the gospel. And because of that, you need to follow me. And and that's not prideful, that's biblical. Because Paul understood this, this role of a spiritual father, okay? And, and, and so let's get to the, the characteristics of fathers and, and some deficiencies. Uh, the, the next thing that we'll see in your notes is uh, a deficiency of spiritual fathers is that they have immature children, okay? <laughs> and, and spiritual fathers are still growing. They're not, they're not you know, fully mature in Christ yet. God changed, let me ask you in the room. Did your life change? Those of you that have kids, man, your life probably changed significantly when, when you got married. But when you had that first kid, did, did your world just like absolutely like what <laughs> what just happened? Uh, some of us, man, like me, my, my oldest is ten. I'm still trying to figure out what's happened. That was ten years ago. Uh, man, God changes your life dramatically uh, through fatherhood, and so and so. Listen, a spiritual father knows that he that he's raising uh, spiritually immature children. Spiritual fathers, just like physical fathers, are called to bring up their children. We'll look at Ephesians 6 in a minute. They're also called to chasten their children. Again, we're not lords over God's heritage, but you see Paul in in the Corinthian letter warning his beloved sons. Uh, We're warning people on behalf of of Christ and the Word of God. We're, We're not, you're not called to whip, you know, physically whip your sons in the faith, so to speak, but man, you if you love them and you know what the word of God says and you see that they're walking contrary to that, you love them, you love them enough to tell them. And if you're in the room and, and maybe you've been on the receiving end of that, you probably didn't appreciate it when it happened. I'm telling you, I didn't appreciate it when it happened in my life as a as a growing young man spiritually. Looking back, I'm thankful that somebody loved the Lord and loved me enough to say, "Hey, bro, man, I love you, man, but you're this this thing in your life." doesn't seem to be jiving with scripture man can let's talk about it let's see what's going on right Uh, those are hard conversations um when we when we raise our children we have to have strong conversations you know but we love them and and we nurture them right we nurture our children uh and, and so as spiritual fathers you know and mothers we have a responsibility to lead our children to maturity uh that's a tremendous responsibility uh let's go to ephesians 6 real quick and uh We'll just look at a few of these verses together. Ephesians chapter 6. And again, you know, when you get to Ephesians 6, the, the passage, we, we always read that as the direct application to our physical home when it, when it deals with the fathers and the children and all those different things. But there's a tremendous spiritual truth that we can't miss. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. All right. Just for any children in the room, we'll, we'll read verse 1, okay? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Okay, yeah, amen. amen. All the parents in the room, amen. Okay, now, <laughs> I'm just trying to help you, parents. Yeah. I'm just trying to help you. Uh, amen, stay there, brother. Okay, <laughs> look at verse 4. Uh, and ye fathers, right, provoke not your children to wrath... But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And for sure, there's a direct application for, for us as, as parents, man, as fathers. We're, we're called to raise our own children, right, And the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But, but any spiritual father or mother that's led someone to Christ or that's going to be a disciple maker, you've got to be bringing your spiritual children up. You're not called to beat them down. You're not called to provoke them to anger. You're called to bring them up and you can't bring somebody up to a place that you're not by the way and and so this is this is spiritual parenthood and it's hard work and it's it's overwhelming and it's it's uh you feel inadequate and and all the things man that that parallel from physical parenthood to to spiritual uh we're called to nurture those children and bring them to maturity and the weight of parenthood man my my relationship obviously with my wife is is amazing and and we have our first kid it's like man there's this whole new weight of responsibility uh, because now we have a human that we're responsible for so we probably need to feed her and change her diaper and and you know love her and encourage her and, and also teach her and, and it is just an amazing thing and spiritually we need to feel the burden of that responsibility we need to feel the burden of raising uh, maturing believers rightly in the Lord okay and so, this spiritual father, man, is—it's a big deal. It, it's the reproduction of spiritual fruit. Uh, yeah, man, they're they're raising immature children, uh, but that's okay. God has a maturing process that's in place. And then, number three, a spiritual father—he still needs to add something into his life. Now, now, when you get the blank, I want you to go back to the very first page of your notes and let's let's read Second Peter chapter one. And let's be reminded of of kind of this process that we talked about yesterday. Second Peter, 5, 2 Peter, one, verse five. I'll get it right in a second. This is this is what happens when I don't have like a gallon of coffee uh, before I get to teach. <laughs> we have church at like eleven on at our, at our church at, on, in Huntsville, and so you know to teach at whatever time, and we're on we're on Central Time, so like this is like eight. 8 o'clock in the morning or 8.20 in the morning. Yeah, I'm not usually talking to anybody, (laughs) quite honestly, at 8 o'clock in the morning. Except Jesus, but, you know, he understands. Okay, 2 Peter 1, verse 5. Okay, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith what? Babes in Christ need to add virtue to their faith. But then to virtue gets added what? Little children... Or babes need knowledge, okay, and that's what elevates them to that little child, right? Uh, and to knowledge we add what? Temperance. And and we talked about you know what it what it means to be tempered. And then to temperance, we, we add patience, and, and that's what a young man spiritually has got to develop. And then to patience, what's get what gets added to that is godliness. And so these spiritual fathers, they have to add to the patience that they developed as a young man and, and, and are developing. As a father, they have to have godliness added. And, and that word godliness is a powerful word in the scripture. Literally, what it means is that God is manifest in your flesh. Godliness means that God is being manifest in your flesh. And, and, and we get that out of First Timothy chapter 3. That's in your notes. It says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And then there's a colon, so he's about to define what what godliness is. God was manifest in the what? In the flesh. And, of course, he's talking about Jesus Christ. God manifest in the flesh is Christ. We call that incarnation, right? God incarnate, God in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached up unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. And so spiritual fathers, man, they need to add godliness to patience. They need to have God being manifest in their flesh. Look at 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8. It says for bodily exercise profiteth little. I got a friend that's a missionary. That's like his his favorite, you know, life verse, you know? <laughs> I'm like, "Man, what's your what's your favorite verse out of the Bible?" You know, "Bodily exercise profiteth little." I'm lazy. That's what yeah. he's, he's like. I'm not exercising, but godliness, God being manifest in the flesh, is profitable unto all things, having the promise of them that now is and of that which is to come. And 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 so, you know, spiritual fatherhood and the demands thereof. Man, it causes us to mature. It should cause us to to greaterly depend. On God the Father. It, it, listen, when, when we had kids, you know, before we had kids, we we tell our ki- my my oldest anyway. Well, I got a ten and a, and a five. They both can understand. And we tell them all the time, hey, before you came along, we did it. We did anything we wanted to do. I mean, it's like midnight. We would go get some ice cream. You know what I'm saying? We'd ride around. We we'd go we'd go do whatever. And now you're here, <laughs> and you go to bed at like 7:30. And so we can't leave you alone just yet. So. You know, we had to we had to we had to bring some things in. We had to sacrifice. We had to we had to focus on on you and your needs. And and we love you, and we want to do that. But just know, we we kind of like ice cream it's really late, and you're kind of wrecking that for us. So, uh, so when you get old enough to stay by yourself, then me and your mom are out. Okay. So, you know, fatherhood, fatherhood, and the demands of fatherhood or spiritual motherhood. Listen, it causes us to mature. It should cause us to have a greater dependency on Christ. It makes us focus on what's eternally important. So all of a sudden when I had kids, physically, there were a lot of things that I was interested in and did that I said, you know what, I don't have the time or the resource or the attention to give to that because I need to give it here. This is most important. And, and that's a part of maturity, right? That's a part of spiritual maturity. It, it, it changes us. and. And sadly, I, I would love to say that every Christian gets here. The truth is, every Christian doesn't. And, and they miss the blessing of, of truly seeing God use them to reproduce spiritual life, not only through evangelism, but they miss the blessing of God using them to, to reproduce spiritually in the life of other people. And, uh, and they're missing out. The truth is, they're missing out. And so don't be like that. All right. And, and then what we said is each one of these levels, there, there's kind of a parallel in Christ ministry and uh, and we'll see uh, some of these same principles ministered or represented through Christ and through his ministry to the disciples and so uh, when we study this out in, in Jesus's ministry we see a couple of things uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of hit some just some overview um, trials do make us more like Christ you know spiritual fatherhood makes us more like Christ Trials also prove that we can be trusted with the responsibility of ministry leadership. I mean, again, it, it is a burden to be a spiritual father, but it's a good burden. It, it's a it's a it's a blessing to be entrusted with the soul of a man. That's kind of a big deal. That's kind of a that's kind of a, a fearful thing to be entrusted. Man, I again, you know. I go back to just because I learned so much from from life and and when we had our daughter, our first daughter, you know, it's really cool because when you you have your first kid, you're in the hospital, we went in with a game plan. Like we're really scheduled people. And so we went in, we're like, okay, we're going to have this kid and then we're going to put her in the little nursery thing. But every three hours, we're going to start feeding on this schedule. And this was before it was really popular to do that. And we're going to sleep in between and we're going to feed this kid and whatnot. And man, we were rocking this schedule. The nurses were really impressed. We had this game plan and all this stuff. And that lasted like two days, right? And then they say, okay. And, and they give you the kid and they tell you you have to leave. <laughs> You're going to give me this kid? we gotta, we got to go to our house, right? And so, and so man, I remember the, the long walk, man, to the elevator and, and going down to the ground floor and, and actually going to get the car and pulling that car up to the curb and they're wheeling out my wife, and you know, she's got the kid, and the kid is in the, is in the car seat, and we, you know, she's like this big, and, but she's buckled in, and it's like, we're about to leave this place of protection and familiarity, and I'm going to my house with this. Oh my gosh, man, just a tremendous like, feeling of overwhelmed pressure, and man, the reality is that, man, God had entrusted me with this little human. And, and, and I think we have to look at discipleship like that, man. We, we have to understand that God is entrusting us with the most important thing. It's, it's the soul of a person, right? This is a human being that's going to spend eternity somewhere. And, and, so, and so we have to grow into maturity. We have to become dependent on God. God has to be manifest in our life so that we can do what we're called to do. Uh, we have to become selfless for the sake of other people. That's what spiritual maturity and spiritual fatherhood is all about. Okay, Uh, Number two, testing is a part of spiritual growth. I like to tell you it gets easier from here. The truth is it gets harder. Wherever you're at on this spiritual growth spectrum, the next step is going to bring more challenges. It's going to get more difficult. It's going to get harder. But guess what? God uses that to conform you to the image of Christ, okay? Uh, James chapter 1 tells us that, that the trying of our faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, mature, complete, and entire, wanting nothing. And so, and so we, we learn uh, how to trust the Lord in, in these types of situations, okay? Number, number three, testing makes us more like Christ, and that's kind of the goal. Brian Hedges, man, he hammered that yesterday. The goal of discipleship is to make us more like Christ. Please understand, while you're discipling this person, they're becoming more like Christ. But guess what? When you're spiritually fathering this person and maturing them, well, guess what's happening in your life? You're becoming more like Christ. That's the goal. The the goal is God works in both of your lives. Romans 8 tells us that he, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son okay and and so that's the goal Uh, there will always be challenges uh, and tests in our life even as a spiritual father uh, areas that get tested at this level of maturity are faith and submission to god's word faith and submission to god's word Uh, uh, john chapter six is that in your notes Is, is john chapter six in your notes okay so, so many of you know this, this passage, right? Jesus is giving this discourse on uh, eating, my, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, right? It's pretty strong teaching in John chapter 6. At this point, there's a multitude of people following Christ. And, uh, and he, he, as he many times did in the scripture, man, he, he wasn't worried necessarily about the masses. He, he really wanted just those that would have ears to hear. And so in John chapter 6, man, he goes on this huge discourse about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And if you don't do that, you're not of him and with him. And man, when the disciples heard that, verse verse 60, John 6, verse 60, therefore many of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, I'm sorry. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said, does this offend you? Right? And, and, and you know the story, man. Uh, the, the verse goes on and it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Right? I mean, they kind of were brought to a spiritual crossroad in their following of Christ. And, uh, and they didn't pass the test, man. Most of those disciples, right? And so Jesus turned to the twelve because they were still standing there. And he says to them, will ye also go away? Man, what a strong question. You've been following Christ up to this point. A lot of people just got offended and left and couldn't receive his teaching. And then he turns to the core group and he's like, hey, do you guys want to go too? Oh, man, what a, what a tremendous test of faith and, and submission uh, to Christ. And so verse 68, right, Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And uh, you might just jot down Psalm 119, verse 165. That verse says that great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Uh, The the group that was following Christ in John chapter 6 got offended at the word of God. Peter got it right. He was like, man, listen, that that very word that offended us is the very thing we need. Where are we going to go? I mean, you have the words of eternal life. And so spiritual fatherhood brings us to truly the point where the Word of God is enough, okay? The Word of God is is enough. He he goes on into verse 69. It's not in your notes, but he says, Peter says, Listen, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's kind of where we started. Peter recognized the God of the Word. He, He heard the Word of God, but he recognized the God of the Word. Does that make sense? And and, and so that, that's a tremendous illustration for us. Okay. All right. So that, that's the fifth level. These last two will go a little bit quicker. All right. So the, the next level or next stage of spiritual growth is that of an elder. Is that of an elder. And, and and just for the record, you know, an elder is a stage of spiritual growth, but elder is also used as an office in the local New Testament church. And, and so this milestone represents Spiritual leadership, it represents spiritual leadership, okay? Uh, I think Pastor Mark used to say that, that elders are spiritual fathers plus time, okay? That's kind of the way he equated it. it was, it's spiritual fathers that have been fathering for a, a bit of time that brings them into this elder stage, okay? And so spiritual fathers have raised their own children to maturity, so now they can be trusted with leading others. They can be trusted with leading other people, this is where really, truly, our, our, our leaders, our pastors, uh, our missionaries, they should be at this level of spiritual maturity. Um, I need to stick my notes so I don't get in trouble. But, <laughs> but, but it is interesting, man. We, we can, in our culture of Christianity, it's so jacked up that we can have somebody that's, that's educated and academic but it's never won a single person to Christ never discipled a single person, never led anyone in any area of ministry at all, and they can pastor a church. I mean, it just doesn't make sense because there is this process of proving that has to take place, and we want spiritually mature people. As much as this process parallels physical growth and development, can I just tell you that it's not necessarily age-dependent. In other words... Man, I'm thankful we, ha- we have a church that uh, I can say this now with, with great rejoicing. We have diapers to diapers in our church, man. We got the full spectrum. I'm thankful for the guy. we got, we got babies, we got babies, and we got aged men and women. Don't repeat that to our church. But we got diapers to diapers in our church. And, and I tell our church all the time, listen, I'm thankful to pastor the full spectrum, man, because it makes me a, a, a better Christian. I have to depend on God. You understand? I'm thankful for that. Uh, but I also say, when we talk about spiritual maturity, the age doesn't always equate to spiritual maturity. Should it? Yeah, for sure. But it doesn't always. Because somebody that's 60 years old that, that comes to Christ, listen, they're a babe in Christ. We don't need to throw them into a position of, of leadership uh, or responsibility when they themselves still need to grow spiritually. And, and, and also, again, yeah, uh, so you get the point. The point is, Spiritual elders have already reproduced. They, they, they have fruit in their own life. so now they can be trusted with leading other people. First Peter chapter five, right? Peter writes and he says, uh, the elders, and, he, and again he's talking about the office, but there's a dual application here. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also partaker of the glory that should be revealed, feed. "...the flock of God which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage," that's truly important, "...but being in samples to the flock." Okay, and, and so as Peter writes this to these elders, he's, he's, he's basically saying, this is how you do it. This is, this is what you're called to do. And so as a spiritual leader, 1 Peter 5 shows us what... A spiritual leader does, and, and so again, I know that these last couple of stages for most of us, man, may be way out there. But you need to know that the spiritual leaders in your life, your pastor, your pastoral staff, listen. This is this is who they are, and this is what they're called to do. And, and so, you as a, as a growing, maturing Christian can truly appreciate their ministry into your life because you understand what the Bible says about that. Does that make sense? So, so here is what they do. Number one, they lead. They lead by feeding the flock of God, okay? Spiritual elders, they lead by feeding the flock of God. Guess what they're supposed to feed them? Milk. Okay, maybe milk, maybe meat. Either way, it comes from what? It comes from the Word of God. Yeah, it comes from the Word of God. So, so uh, you know, we have to have a steady diet, a steady uh, diet of the Word of God in our churches, from our pulpit, in our classes, in discipleship—it all comes back to the Word of God. This is the spiritual nourishment that we need. And uh, and so and so, listen—if you're and I think most of you are in this in this room and you're part of churches that on Sunday morning or Wednesday night they open this book and they give you, "Thus saith the Lord," right? It's not opinion. It's not it's not philosophy. It's it's a steady diet of God's Word. Can I just tell you that you, you need to rejoice in the Lord uh, that you're a part of a church, whatever church you're a part of, that they're feeding the Word of God. You need to rejoice in that because that's not common. We have, we have, we have people occasionally that, that filter into our church from, from other places, and, and maybe they were a part of the church. Uh, one couple in particular, I remember when they came to our church, uh, they found us during COVID when things were shut down. We didn't live stream before COVID, and so we had, to, we had to learn a lot in about a week. A year ago changed the world. It changed our church pretty, pretty dramatically. So we went back from DiscipleConf last year because we had to shut it down. And in one week, we had to figure out how to pull off a live stream. That was really awkward, by the way. I'm talking to an empty room, to you and the camera. Okay, yeah, didn't ugh, weird, man. But God used that because there were other people, man, that were sitting at home trying to figure out, man, how do I, how do I get fed, you know? And so they're, they're online, doing online grocery shopping, and uh, they stumble across our, our live stream. And uh, we had a couple of people that, that came to our church because they were like, man, I, I, I've been in church for a long time, but I've never heard somebody actually just open the Bible and, and teach the Bible, you know? And the whole sermon is just the Bible and what the Bible says and what God's word says, you know. And, and so during COVID, I got a letter in the mail and, uh, and I won't give the names, but man, it was a handwritten letter, like two pages. And this, this lady had just spilled her heart out. And she was like, listen, we are so thankful how God is using you and your church and your ministry. We're some skinny sheep. But man, we found, we found provision through your church. And once corporate meetings start back, we're going to be there, type thing, you know. And uh, man, that that humbled me. I mean, blew my socks off, you know. The point is, if we'll just if we'll just make a emphasis on God's word, uh, the word of God will do the work. That's what the saints need. Sheep's need the word of God. That's what we need. And so elders feed uh, by giving the word of God. Number two, they lead by overseeing. They they provide oversight uh, to the flock of God not lording over God's heritage. Number three, they, they are called to lead by example. And so, you know, any of us that are, that are in positions of leadership and, and maybe you strive to, to have that desire in your life, just know that, that you're called to be an example. You have to lead by example. Uh, it's not just do what I say. It's like Paul said, follow me, right? And follow me and do what I do. And then number four, we, we have to remember that we always lead under Christ's authority because he if you go back further in first Peter chapter five Christ himself is the chief shepherd okay and, and so any authority that we have is is ultimately Christ's authority. It's his authority over the church. It's his leadership over the church. Okay. Uh, spiritual leaders sometimes do have a deficiency. It's heart attitude because when you lead other people you know how it is as a parent, right? Like, your kids are perfect, but everybody else's kids are kind of jacked up? You go to Cracker Barrel or somewhere like that, you figure that out real quick. Man, listen. i I'll tell you what, man, if that kid was in my house, you know. I'm sure none of you have ever said that. But So I was that idiot. Before we had kids, it was like, I'll tell you what, man, that screaming kid over there, good gosh, when we have kids, uh, we, will, we will have that thing under control. They won't be screaming at Cracker Barrel. You don't ever say that, okay? You don't ever think that. Ah, the kid's screaming, let's go to Cracker Barrel anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Then you have a kid, and and you spot that other couple, and you're like, I'm praying for them. I know exactly what they're going through. (laughs) You know, it's just like, ah. You know, and it's one thing when you lead your kids, but when you're called to lead people, like a a plurality of people, well, it presents challenges. It presents challenges, right? And, And so when you go from discipling a person to maybe leading a small group or shepherding a ministry or shepherding a church, man, Listen, leading people can be exhausting, it can be discouraging, and it can be frustrating at times, and all the pastors in the room said, amen. (laughs) It can be. And, And so, you know, the same passage, 1 Peter chapter 5, tells us not only what we're to do as a spiritual leader, but 1 Peter 5 also shows us how, how we're to lead. There, there are some hows of spiritual leadership, okay? Uh, and, and so the first one is that we, we don't lead for filthy lucre's sake. You don't do it for the money, right? You don't do it for your personal gain or for the benefit uh, that you get out of it. You do it of a ready mind. So many times, and, and again, man, we're, we're kind of in the higher levels of, of spiritual maturity now, but, but I'll say some things. You know, it blows my mind that people want a pastor as a job, as a career, it blow like, like the mindset is I want to get a job on a church staff. And, and I'm telling you, man, that, that's, that's a little jacked up. Um, I got my resume right. I'm a pastor in a church of 100, and I want to get to a church of 250, or I want to get to a church of five. Man, that is just some secular, jacked up thinking. Uh, and and again, sometimes connected to filthy lucre, doing it for the wrong reasons, for money's sake. Uh, We ought to do what God's called us to do because he told us to do it. Um, When I became a pastor 10 years ago and was commissioned and sent out of my local church, I was working full-time in the field of physical therapy. But when I got saved at the age of 21, man, I surrendered my life to Christ. Okay, And, And I just wanted what he had for me. And, uh, and, and so God, even, even though I was in college, I finished college, I started working in physical therapy, and man, I got discipled. I had the privilege of discipling other people. I started serving in ministry, all working full-time. I went through our entire institute, all working full-time. I, I led a small group, all working full-time, right? Got married, and now I'm married and working full-time, and, and then had a chance to lead an entire department, you know, college and career ministry, which was absolutely awesome did all that. for? I was never on staff. And then through the way the Lord worked, man, there was an opportunity to take a church and become the pastor. And guess what I was still doing? Working in physical therapy. And, uh, and I knew God had allowed that and God had ordained that. And, and so I was working and I went to pastor a church working in physical therapy. And, and I did that for almost 10 years. Right at nine years I was able to walk away from my physical therapy job to full-time focus on ministry. My point in telling you that is look, my story is just my story. It's not right or wrong, but but I wasn't looking for a job, right. is, is my point. And, and, and we have a lot of people in Christianity, man. Their mind is so carnal. Uh, they're they're in the ministry for what they can get. And I'm telling you, man, the ministry is about what you can give. That's right. And it's giving your life yep. to serve Christ. Okay? Number two. Spiritual leadership is not about lording over God's people, but it is about being an example. Some people have an authority trip or a power trip. Man, they want to be the person telling everybody else what to do. Um, Listen, we're called to be an example. Christ is the ultimate servant leader, and we're called to follow in his example. Okay, and then number three, lead like Christ. And the reason you need to lead like Christ is because we're going to be called into judgment by Christ. Uh, so one theme that you're going to hear with discipleship this week is the judgment seat of Christ because, because that's a, an appointment on God's calendar that none of us are going to miss. And uh, the perfect shepherd leader uh, will call us into account and we'll stand before him and give an account of how we led. And God help us to have led like Christ led, okay? Uh, so spiritual spiritual leaders, these people that are in this elder stage, again... Uh, what they need to add to their life is brotherly, brotherly kindness. And again, if you go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, it says, To godliness we're to add brotherly kindness. Okay. And so because leadership is tough, we've got to learn to love the brethren. Man, that, that's the point. And so fathers learn the art of leadership. Elders learn the heart of leadership. Fathers learn how to lead one or lead a few. Elders learn how to lead many, and they have to have the right hearts to do it. Second John verse one says, "The elder unto the elect lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all they that have known the truth." And so, and so, you know, John was an elder. Uh, you know, he was a spiritual leader. He's saying that his love for others was based on the truth. Can I tell you that's an awesome distinctive that we have in the Living Faith Fellowship, man? Uh, you know the cool thing is there's so many pastors and churches represented like at this conference, and the truth is, I wish I know I knew all of you like personally, man, where we could just sit down and have coffee but but listen, if you love the truth, we're already connected, man we have we have a brotherly love that's that can be felt, man it's real and and again, man, God if God gives us more time and we can spend more time together, that's awesome. John loved others based on the truth of God's word, and that's a tremendous Uh, distinctive uh, that we have in this living fellowship of churches. Okay, Uh, in Jesus' ministry, uh, this is where we see this. In Jesus' ministry, we see it between the Feast of Tabernacles uh, and His earthly ministry and the Feast of the Passover. We see it the way He's leading His disciples. He's leading them to have, number one, a proper perspective of God's Word. Elders have to have a proper perspective of God's Word. We saw it in John chapter 6 with, with the disciples. Listen, Jesus brought them to a point of offense, and yet they said, no, that actually your word is what we have to have, right? And so uh, when God brings us to this point, we have to refuse existing doctrines and practices that violate God's word. When we become spiritual leaders, um, we do what we do based on the authority of God's word, not based on tradition, uh, not, not based on denominational uh, preferences, uh, we don't do anything that that violates God's word. We also refuse new doctrine and practices that violate God's word. And and again, man, Christianity's this wild roller coaster, man. There's there's always something new, or something that's rebranded in Christianity, and, and it's like old stuff, repackaged, and um, uh, some of the newer people at our church are coming out of some pretty jacked up religious systems that I didn't even know about, you know. Um, and it's a blending of like two or three different cultish type things that they've, they've blended these things together and now they have a new name for this. Okay, it's like, what? I know what that is and I know what that is. Yeah, but if you take that together, now it's called this. And I won't go into the specifics because of the recording, but, but it just blows my mind, man, that there's, there's this continual attempt by the devil to introduce new doctrine and new practices that violate God's word. Man, listen just stick to the book stick to sound doctrine uh, stick to the faithful word as you've been taught man you'll you'll do fine uh, and so we got to have a proper perspective of God's word number 2 we got to have a proper pr- perspective of people uh, don't catch yourself saying ministry would be great if it weren't for people. see uh, people and and so we we can't we can't have that mindset that's not a ministry is people. (laughs) So if it's not people, then it's not ministry. Okay. Uh, So we got to have a proper perspective of people. Uh, We need to learn to focus on individuals, not on the masses. Uh, You know, if you go back to Luke chapter 15, uh, those passages in Luke, you know, you had the lost sheep, you had the lost coin, you had the lost son. Uh, and in each of those examples, man, Christ in that parable, again, there, I know the doctrinal implications of that, but the point is Christ was emphasizing the one, the singular. Many times in churches and ministry, uh, we, we, will, we will attempt to reach the, reach the masses. Let's just reach the next one. Let's evangelize the next one. Let's disciple the next one. So we got to have a right perspective of people in ministry leadership. Number two, we need to learn to focus on spiritual things. Not physical things. And I won't ask you how the prayer meetings go at your church, but I'll give you a little bit of insight on how they go at my church. Uh, we we pray a lot about these things, and very little about these things, right? Luke chapter Luke chapter 17 is the story of those ten lepers, right? Uh, that came to Christ, and and Christ healed them. Uh, healed all ten, he gave them physical healing, but when you read the passage, there was only one that turned back and returned to Christ and worshipped Christ, only one. And the Lord told him, okay, listen, your faith's made you whole, right? He, He had a right perspective. The spiritual is more important than the physical. When you get into spiritual leadership, understand that the spiritual needs in people's lives are tremendously more important than the physical needs. And again, man, we we got some room to improve because half of what we pray for, probably 80% of what we pray for is this. You know, we pray for this, and, and we're forgetting that there are people dying and going to hell. We're forgetting that there are people that need to grow spiritually and need to repent of their sin and, and, and get reconciled back to Christ. Okay, number three, uh, spiritual leaders focus on submitting but not offending other people. Let's go to Luke 17 real quick just to keep you awake. We're almost done. Luke 17, verses 1 to 5. Focus on submitting, not offending. Look at verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It's impossible but that offenses will come, but woe to him through who they come, for it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, that he should be, uh, excuse me, that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shall what? Forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith, because <laughs> that's a hard word, Lord. You mean I need to be right with my other brother? Yeah, that's the point. we got to submit to God's Word. We, we need to live in a way that's not offensive to other people. The body of Christ needs to be unified uh, in His purpose and His ministry. And then lastly, uh, spiritual leaders need to focus on restoration, not revenge. You know, Matthew 18 talks about the reconciliation that God's called us to 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 see accomplished in our our churches and our ministries and uh... god help us to be a place of restoration man it's a sad day when churches split it's a sad day when christians can't reconcile and and repent and and see restoration with each other in the church man Um, god says that the way the world knows that we're disciples is that we have love one toward another right and so uh... god god is the avenger not us and we know that from the scripture and then lastly we need to focus on unity not difference. We need to focus on unity and not differences. John 17. Okay, so so a spiritual leader has a right perspective of God's Word. They have a right perspective of people. Lastly, they have a right perspective of spiritual life. Okay? Ministry is always based on your spiritual life. The ability to minister is always based on your spiritual life. Uh, Matthew 17, verse 21. You remember the disciples uh, they were casting out uh, devils, and, and they, they came across this, this one kid that they couldn't cast this devil out of. And, of course, the father was really upset, and he goes to Christ, and he kind of complains. And it's like, man, your disciples can't even do this. And, 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 you know, Jesus handles it, and he comes back, and the disciples ask him, hey, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we cast out this devil? And, and Jesus reminded them, he says, howbeit this kind goeth not out but by what? Prayer and Fasting. Ministry always is going to be an overflow of our spiritual life. Uh, it's, it's, it's our walk with God being on full display uh, uh, for other people. All right, here's the last one. We're going to get done early so we can all go get another muffin. All right. Uh, the last stage is, if there's any left, by the way, that was like an awesome spread of, of muffins this morning. Uh, the last one is the seventh stage called the aged stage. Here's the goal. This is what we're trying to get to. And, and so it's, it's characterized by spiritual legacy. And listen, when I think of guys like this, I immediately think guys like Mark Trotter. You know what I'm saying? I mean, good gracious, man. What what a legacy um, that is still being used by God uh, in the lives of our, our people, our churches. Man, what a tremendous uh, blessing he is. Philemon, verse 9. Paul, Paul himself... Um, recorded in scripture you know again i think when you study this thing out landed here uh, philemon verse nine paul writes and he says yet for love's sake i rather beseech thee being such a one as paul the aged and now a prisoner of jesus christ psalm 92 and verse 13 those that be planted in the house of the lord shall flourish in the course of our god they shall still bring forth fruit in in old age they shall be fat and flourishing and again man as we grow physically and get older, and as we grow spiritually and become more mature, man, agedness is what we're after. And, and that's not a time to just check out and quit church and quit the ministry and have the mindset, oh, I've already done my time. That's jacked up thinking. Man, Man, listen, the, the aged can still bring forth fruit in their old age. Why? Because they're mature. Man, they've grown through this process, and, and, and the challenge for them is this issue of weariness, right? Because they've been doing it so long. They've been walking with God. They, they've served in leadership. They've, they've, they've discipled people. They've pastored churches. They've been missionaries. Um, we get tired. I think, I think, you know, we're warned in the Scripture to be not weary in well-doing, right? Psalm 71 and verse 9. Cast me not off in the time of old age; forsake me not when my strength faileth. And uh, and and man, we have we have these people. By the way, in our fellowship, we we have some aged men, um, the the Mark Trotters, the Alan Shelby's. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the Jeff Bartels. Uh, these are the guys, man. That that are treasures uh, in our fellowship, uh, and we need to we need to lift them up to the Lord, man, and be thankful for them, and, and continue to follow them, because these guys are amazing. Okay, so so the last thing that, that needs to be added to their life is this thing of charity, right? The, this, this, this thing of charity. Uh, and again, you've got the references in your notes. First Corinthians 13 and verse 8, Charity never faileth. And, and again, if you go back to Second Peter 1, that's the last thing, that's the seventh thing that has to be added. Uh Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 now abide in faith hope charity these three but the greatest of these is charity Colossians 3 and verse 14 above all these things put on charity which is the bond of perfectness in other words completion maturity the bond of maturity is charity it's glue it's the glue that holds it all to, it's the glue that holds all seven stages together the seven levels, man, this is, this is what it is. It's charity. Paul, again, 1 Corinthians, man, Paul says, listen, if I don't have charity, I don't have anything. It's, it's of nothing. And so, and, and again, in, in Christ's ministry with his disciples at the very end, man, you know that these guys are fully committed. They're fully devoted. And so uh, what we see in their life is, number one, in, in Christ and his disciples' life, disciples' lives, we see that they exchanged their life and they had a world vision they begin to accept the inadequacies of the flesh, and they began to rest in the sufficiency of Christ. Uh, this is what we would call having a world vision, having complete surrender. Okay. Um, secondly, the disciples were looking for a physical kingdom, but the spiritual kingdom was to come first. You guys remember that, like in Acts chapter one, right after Christ is resurrected, the 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 guys were kind of asking, hey, listen, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time to the nation of Israel? They're they're looking for that physical kingdom of God, right? Uh, And and Jesus had just spent 40 days teaching them about the kingdom. Excuse me, they were looking for the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus had just spent 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God. Spiritual always has to come first. and, And man, when you get to this point in your spiritual maturity, you don't get enslaved and enamored with the things of the physical world, the physical kingdom. Uh, write down Mark chapter 8 and verse 15 in your notes. Uh, Jesus warns his disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. False religion, false doctrine. And he also warned them to be, be aware beware of the leaven of Herod. And Herod represents like the physical kingdoms, right? The, the, the earthly kingdoms of this world. Can I just tell you, man, as Christians... And maturing Christians ain't you know we got time for that man we we're not establishing a kingdom on this earth we're, we're a part of the kingdom of God and, and so when we when we grow to maturity we, we don't get ensnared with these things in this physical life or a physical kingdom job mentioned it last night we're we're not losing a Christian nation there's no such thing as a you know biblically as a Christian that's a kingdom of of heaven context if it's an earthly kingdom and that's not where we're about the kingdom of God, the spiritual kingdom. And, and so that's what we need to be focused on. Okay, number three, we need to accept the weakness of our flesh. In John 6 and verse 63, Jesus himself said that the flesh profiteth nothing. Can't do ministry in the power of our flesh. When you get to this point, you, Paul's the aged. Paul's in prison and Philemon. It wasn't the power of his flesh that was accomplishing ministry. It was the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Number two, we, we need to apply the Spirit of God, the power of the Spirit of God to our life. We need to walk in that Spirit, because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of power, right? Um, and that's the only that's the only way ministry can be accomplished. Uh, number three, when we get to this point of maturity, we don't need the the need we don't have the need for uh, affirmation anymore. Um, we we don't need the Attaboy's. Uh, man, that was a great job, great sermon, okay, not so great sermon, whatever, uh, you know, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing that, uh, yeah, that stuff doesn't really matter, you're not doing it for affirmation, you're doing it for the Lord, right, you're doing what, what God lays on your heart, uh, and then lastly, number, number, number six is we acquire a vision for the world, that's the Great Commission, that's, that's right where we are today in this conference, that our life is completely given for the rest of its, its time, to the ministry that God's called us to do, to make disciples, to evangelize the lost, to make disciples of all nations. You know the verses, Matthew 28, Acts chapter 1. Uh, You guys can read that for yourself, all right? Okay, my voice really hurts, so I think we're going to stop here, if you guys are cool with that. Um, Does anybody have any questions, comments, blanks? Uh, Maybe if you're in the room and you're a disciple, or if you're a discipler, and uh, you have some questions, you know, there are a couple of pastors in here that... uh, I'm sure have some tremendous experience uh, and wisdom, and I'm not talking about myself. So, does anybody have a question or thought or ministry ministry principle or just anything in general? What's that? He, does. he can he can ask you later. <laughs> Did you put him in here with a trick question? I ain't falling for that. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.